Todd, greetings. This is I, Dwight Kurt Schrute. I wanted to say happy holidays to you. Congratulations on your game development, game dev breakdown, whatever that is. Sounds idiotic to me. But I wanted to remind you, please don't be an idiot. Have a wonderful 2020. And that is all. Dwight out. Don't be an idiot. Goodbye. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. The arcade was my church. I thought I was... Hey everybody, Todd here. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. And today... We're talking to my friend David Jagno from Upload VR and uh, many other things around the web. He's uh, the guy. <laughs> That's a running joke on Twitter. He's the main guy to talk to about VR on Twitter and around the web. So uh, he's going to shed some light on some things we've been sort of hinting at around the podcast and around the Patreon. And uh, he'll share some legit expertise because I don't really know what I'm talking about. I'm just getting started. And uh, he'll be very helpful. So here's my chat with David. Hello. Okay, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. This is pretty normal. I, I don't actually have a lot yeah. of Skype calls where we don't have to uh, play a little phone tag, do a little troubleshooting. Yeah, which is so weird by now. Like, <laughs> you would think it would just work, but... Well, uh, what was funny was when I was doing GDC and Microsoft had brought me out to talk to their people about their you know, their speakers and everything, and, and we couldn't get it going between us either. It was oh like, God. this is y'all's thing now, right? <laughs> That's hilarious. So that was a good time. But uh, so you're you're doing CES coverage right now. Yeah, yeah. The show's pretty much over, but we are trying to figure out timing on doing our awards and stuff. And um, someone at the show is trying to track down someone from NVIDIA because we're they won one of our awards and but Nvidia left already. So they're having to like find a representative of some kind. And yeah, it's just, it's been a bit of a, a, a mess, but all good. Can have somebody completely random except on behalf of. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or just hold it up next to the logo or something. Yeah. This guy works here at the venue. So yeah, to sort of set the table, um, different ways to describe you, senior editor, upload VR. Yeah. Yeah. That's my full time thing. And uh, you also contribute to Forbes Games, IGN, among others? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So uh, who's who's busier than an editor at a site like that? You know, it's a tough gig, I know. Yeah, yeah, especially with, I mean, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword because you have, uh, like, a site like Upload VR is obviously very focused on, you know, a niche, you know, so, like, the VR AR industry is just kind of a subset of overall gaming. But then there are so many applications for VR and AR outside of video games. And so our, our audience is actually very, very diverse where we have a lot of traditional gamers, you know, people that are excited for half-life that want to play Skyrim. They want to do all the traditional gaming things with VR headsets. But then outside of that, you also have, um, you know, people that use VR for surgery and you have people that use VR for real estate, for architecture, for um, just computer programming, for entertainment, for, I mean, so many things that have nothing to do with video games. It's it's kind of becoming 
its own industry. And it's it's interesting because if you look at the way computers work, that's kind of the same thing. You know, there are people that use their computers for gaming, but then there are also people that don't play video games that have a computer that could, you know, run the latest games if they wanted, but it's actually used for 3D modeling and architecture and, you know, all the same things VR is used for. So yeah. it's just kind of becoming this this new, um, you know, sort of display technology, this new, um, the final, a lot of people describe it as like the thing that could potentially one day kill the the monitor, you know, or, or like yeah. the screen, a screen killer sort of device. And it's it's really interesting. I mean, it's, there's a lot going on. And it's it's funny because, you know, you would think a site that only writes about VR, like, oh, what do you write about all day? There's not that many new things happening. But it's, the more you look into, you know, a topic like VR, the more you'll find, uh, you know, there's there's so many things we just don't have time to cover. And um, we miss a lot of stuff just out of bandwidth. And we, you know, have to turn down a lot of events. And there's, the, the industry is growing so rapidly. And it's it's very exciting. And uh, December, this past month, was the biggest month of traffic for our site ever. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very much, you know, trending upward. So it's very, very exciting. That's one reason I thought you'd be an interesting person to have on for a chat because uh, the the podcast audience we I hear from a lot of people who are enthusiastic about VR and they're using VR for development of different kinds and they're not doing games. I think in the Patreon group specifically, there are like three people who work in VR. None are doing games and they're interested in starting to do games, but mm -hmm. they're using it in like lab applications and visualization of different kinds. And, and uh, my first two VR contracts were non-games. One was for like training for the electrical industry, which was interesting. And mm, uh, yeah. we were, we worked on a demo for Lenovo also for a trade show. And it was a lot of fun. Like it, it makes these things very interesting to, you know, to look at for the first time, you know, people talking about here's how we get electricity from point A to point B. And instead you can go here, look at this, hold this in VR, watch this thing, walk through this wind turbine, you know, it's, it's all very cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Tell me this. Um, some of the most recent stuff I've seen from you has been uh, coverage of like new finger tracking and hand gestures and stuff with, with like quest and different Oculus headsets. How, how's that looking right now? It's, it's very interesting because I think the first time I tried that sort of technology was, Probably like CES 2018 or even GDC 2017. Um, you know, there there were companies working on that kind of stuff a while ago. Whether it be uh, a wearable glove that translates to your hand in VR, or camera-based tracking, or um, I've even tried some different gloves and you know hand-based things that uh, simulate haptic feedback that you know make it feel like you're actually touching things and holding things and have, you know, like weight to them and you can feel textures and all that kind of stuff is really cool and amazing. But uh, for right now, in terms of like, you know, actual use cases for consumers or even enterprise level um, use cases, there's not a whole lot. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that tech is still very much in flux in development. Um, the, the one that's out for Quest right now, I mean, the reason that it came out earlier than expected is because I think Oculus wanted developers to start making stuff for it as soon as possible. Because, yeah. um, you know, right now on Quest, the only thing you can do is navigate the UI. You can kind of, you know, click a few buttons. You can, you know, browse. I think you can use the web browser. You can watch Oculus TV stuff, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, 
there are some experimental things on SideQuest, which you can, it's a program you can use to sideload content on your Quest that isn't on the store. And there are some things on there. There's like a piano simulator, and I've seen a, a few things that have you, you know, like using your gun to make, or using your hand to make gestures and kind of like attack enemies that are running around like little, you know, sort of lemmings, but you kill them sort of style <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, there's cool stuff out there. I, I love the idea, um, but I'm just curious to see where it goes. Yeah, as soon as I saw it, almost as soon as they put it out to sort of preview, they got it out into the hands of devs, like you said. I, I think it's already included in the uh, Unity Oculus integration kit. I haven't tried oh, anything cool. okay. with it yet, but I, I think they got it out right away. I downloaded it just to see you know, how it worked, and I, I thought it was interesting. But I've heard a lot of people say, I'm not really ready to give up controllers of some kind. And ultimately, I think I agree with that. I think it's going to be a while before we uh, don't have any need for that or, you know, it's not comfortable to us to have something in, in your hands, you know. Yeah, especially when it comes to gaming there. I mean, even outside of the traditional view of games where, you know, things like analog sticks and buttons are needed, but there are so many so many VR games where just the feeling of having something in your hand is just as important as being able to move your hands at all. Hmm. You know, like I, I couldn't imagine playing like if like a shooter, you know, like onward or Pavlov or one of those VR shooters. If, if I didn't have something in my hand, that would, I don't know. It just wouldn't feel the same. Like miming, a, you know, pulling a trigger would just feel weird. And, yeah. um, you know, like a game like Asgard's wrath or Skyrim, like swinging nothing in my hand. You know, like I want some weight to feel like there's something there. So it's just, I think it's, it's one of those things that it'll be, you know, kind of rolled into the technology as something that can be used for some applications and not others. Yeah. Um, you know, like media viewing makes a lot of sense and, uh, already the way they have it now, it's, it's nice that you can turn it on so that your hands pop up, even if they're not interacting with anything. Um, cause I know for me personally, whenever I demo a VR headset, especially like going back to gear VR, you know, one of the first things that, you know, like an old family member will do is reach out with their hands. Yeah. And even though they're just looking at a 360 photo, they think, Oh, I'm going to reach out with my hands and Oh, I'm going to, it feels like I'm there. But if you could actually have their hands show up, like that would be a lot better. Little simple things like that make a difference. There was even very nice use of that uh, back on the Connect before that mm -hmm. became sort of uh, yesterday's garbage. You know, <laughs> I, I thought they actually got that interface down pretty well before they completely threw mm -hmm. that out. So speaking of uh, non-game uses of VR, you do uh, upload VR's sort of virtual reality podcast and i mean mm -hmm. yeah. when i when i say that people can certainly listen on uh, itunes or anywhere normal podcasts are found but you also have sort of a virtual studio that you do live shows from on youtube so how long have you been doing that and sort of how's that going because it's very interesting oh, it's, it's so cool i'm glad you brought that up it's like one of the my favorite things that we've done and um shout out to david heaney at upload he He's one of our reporters and staff writers and everything. He he's a very technically minded person, yeah. and um, he is also you know like has a lot of development experience. He has a degree in software um, development, and um, so he was actually a developer first, and he sort of fell into the role of he has now at Upload. Um, so he entirely created that on his own. Um, it's built in Unity, and it's just kind of a Unity environment that he has some low poly assets and little desks and. Um, you know, chairs and like a computer monitor and that kind of stuff. 
Uh, but then when you're in it, it is a shared virtual space that uses Oculus's avatar system. Yeah. Um, so we just go into the Oculus menu on Quest or you know Go or Rift, and we customize our avatar. And we load in whenever we launch the app. We're sitting in whatever seat he has assigned us. And our name pops up on the front so people can see it. And he's actually built, I think, seven or eight cameras into the environment. Nice. That on his end, he's outside of VR controlling it from the computer monitor like a producer. And I so he that. has different functions on the keyboard he hits where each button will go to a different camera. And so that gives him control. And then he uses OBS to overlay images and overlay animations and different stuff like that. So it looks like a news show where for us, we're just sitting at a desk talking and then he handles everything else. It, hey, Daddy. Oh, hey, buddy. What's up? <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. The train table just turned the track into tracks. Okay. It's just kind of waiting for my uh, mother-in-law. Yeah, as I was watching that podcast for the first couple of times, I thought, the more I watched it, I thought, like, there's a lot to this. There's clearly a lot being controlled and stuff. And you guys inadvertently had one of the funniest podcast moments I I ever saw early on because you you were going around the panel introducing people one time and you got to somebody who started gesturing and their, their expressions were changed. They were looking around the studio and somebody had to break in and go, Hey, you're muted or something. We can't hear you. And his avatar just kind of like sunk (laughs) looking at the ground. So it's worth, it's worth going back to see that. And, and it really is cool what you guys set up there. Yeah, and then um, what we do as well is um, usually most normal episodes. We haven't had a normal episode in a while because we had like uh, the, we had a Half-Life Alex special, then we had the Game of the Year special, then we had a CES show. So we haven't had a normal weekly show in a while. But once we get back to that, what we do at the end is we have a one-on-one interview segment mm-hmm. where um, one of the people from Upload is teleported to the other chair on the other side of the room, and we have our guests teleported over there. And then we're sitting face to face, kind of a one on one, you know, like 60 minute interview style. And he has different cameras over there that do different angles. So we can zoom in on one person's face, whoever's asking a question, whoever's talking, et cetera. And then the great thing about it is, even though we're in VR, um, Heaney has actually installed um, monitors that have uh, YouTube chat on them. So mm-hmm. we can see comments live as they come in. Um, we have little screens and notepads uh, that we have on our desktop, we just save a text file with our notes, and then it automatically loads it into VR. He has it all set up to do that. Um, they're all networked, too, so I can look over and see who the person next to me. I can see their notes. Um, so it's it's such a great, great, great thing that he's built. And uh, it's one of the things I look forward to most every week because it feels like I'm getting to hang out with my coworkers, yeah. even though we're all remote. You know, Heaney's in uh ireland jamie's in the uk we've got um you know ian is down in la i'm up near san francisco our main host is in seattle kyle um so i mean we're all over the place and it feels like we're in the same room i love i love hearing how that works and getting even more sort of behind the scenes about that because that that really is a a cool thing you guys put together i haven't really even thought about this till now is there a way for people to put on a headset and watch the live show or anything like that yet so what we would love to do is have the ability for you to feel like you're in the audience and you're there with us. Yeah. Um, it's totally possible. It's just not something that's on the very near future roadmap. It just hasn't been a priority. Um, there are you know, other features and stuff that we want to iron out, and there are still some glitches that happen every now and then. So all that stuff takes precedent. Um, but 
what you can do is if you're familiar with big screen, um, mm-hmm. which is a, it's a free social app where you can, you know, watch, you can share your desktop with people. You can watch videos and hang out. Um, they have a, a, a separate portion of it called big screen TV where they do like actual events that are, you know, like live, you know, sort of shared experiences and every week, um, you can watch the you can watch the the download. We call it the VR download. You can watch it in big screen every week. Um, so we have that all set up with them. So they they host uh, a watch party where people can hang out inside VR, um, but they're watching it on a screen, you know, like a TV. But you can yeah. do it in VR. Yeah, that's still pretty good. I mean, the YouTube integration's decent. So yeah, uh, yeah. That'd be an interesting thing to do. So, and I'm, I'm sure there's not just unlimited time and budget to, you know, be thinking about new features for this thing. It, it just happens yeah. to be really cool. Yeah, because you know how startups go where, you know, a very small team and everyone wears a lot of hats. I, I do live streaming. I do a lot of, you know, news writing when I need to. I review games. I do a lot of interviews. I go to events. I do the podcast. I do a lot of social stuff. I edit a lot of videos. I, I make the videos too. And Keeney is, you know, obviously has done a great job, but he splits that time with actual, you know, coverage and writing and, um, stuff like that too. So it's, everyone just has so many different things to do. Yeah. That, that's something I picked up very fast when I uh, first got into freelancing myself. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm pretty sure we met during the Zam days. Oh, probably. Yeah. That was like, everyone's doing everything they can. (laughs) So uh, I, I got the furthest with Zam just by being available. You know, I know you guys are doing a million things. If I can take one off your plate, just send it my way. Yeah, yeah. And as a freelancer, I'm sure this is true outside of writing as well, just, you know, any sort of freelance occupation. But, um, you know, flexibility, availability, and, you know, having a wide skill set, like those three things, um, you know, can really take you far. And um, that's that's something I've learned is, you know, with especially with the, the work that I've done at IGN, you know, I, I try to do as much as I can to take the load off because, I mean, obviously, IGN is a multifaceted media conglomerate at this point. They don't just write about video games. They, I mean, it's one of the top sites in the world. They have so much going on. Yeah. And um, I try to just take as much load off as I can. So whenever I do a review, I'll, you know, they, I write the the written version of the review. I turn that into a 800 word script. I annotate the script with which clips to use, what timestamp, and which pieces of footage. I record the footage. Sometimes I do the VO for the for the videos as well. And I mean, so just if you have that skill set where you can do more than just, you know, like, oh, I'm a freelance journalist. Yeah, but there's so many other things that I can do. So that, that I think that's super important. Yeah. So I, I'm so glad we sort of hit that topic right away of uh, VR sort of being much more than just games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, for example, did you get that Oculus user research survey not too long ago? Um, I, you probably get a lot of this stuff, but the one I'm thinking of specifically uh, sort of made it very clear they're interested in applications of like uh, allowing you to meet people in VR. And, you know, do you want to uh, one of the questions was, to what extent are you interested in becoming friends with people you meet in VR? And like all the mm-hmm. questions were along those lines. And I thought, you know, th- it really seems like they're trying to sort of prove that we would be approving of, you know, hey, go create these new social experiences and stuff like that. I mean, do you think that's sort of the direction they want to go? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're they're building towards their next social app. Um, it's called Horizons. And 
um, that is directly tied to Facebook. Yeah. Um, so whenever you use Horizons, you're actually using your Facebook account. And so it's all, you know, like your actual name and all that stuff. And they want everyone to use their real identities. And um, so I think um, it, it, that even extends to what they have now with Oculus Venues, where you can watch live shows and go to events and concerts in VR. That's yes. tied to your Facebook as well. You have to have a Facebook account to use Venues. And um, while you're in there, you have the option of just being in there alone. But if you go in there with and meet other people... You can, you know, meet other people. You see their avatars. You see their names. You can interact. You can add each other, on, you know, on the Oculus interface. And they've added a lot more social features as well. They have, like, actual text messaging in the app now. So, I mean, they're, they're definitely moving that way. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like so much of the Internet is the exact opposite. Yeah. You know, there's so much anonymity. And, you know, just... Uh, people like me, I use my real name everywhere just because, you know, I'm, you know, that's kind of what you do in this line of work. But sure. uh, there's so many people on Reddit, on Twitter, on wherever that aren't using their real name that, you know, try to keep that stuff hidden. They don't post pictures of themselves or anything. And um, it's just it's really wild because, you know, now they're moving towards this this reality of having a shared digital world that we can live in in VR. It's it's kind of merging with our real you know, society in an interesting way. Yeah. And these, these questions got me thinking about stuff like that. And I, I was assuming that's basically uh, where their head was at, but it got me thinking like that sort of does hinge on us being open to interacting more with people we don't necessarily know, because like, I would mm -hmm. love to have a version of this for my friends and family, but you know, my aunts and uncles don't have headsets. You know, <laughs> My, yeah, my, my yeah. little cousin can't afford the, the quest right now. And he's busy playing Fortnite. And uh, if <laughs> we sort of develop this sort of like, I'd rather not do this with strangers, but I guess it kind of hinges on a certain degree of that. Yeah. And I think it's also sort of hinging on the notion that, if you are forced to use your actual name and identity, then it will be a more welcoming experience. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of where the logic comes from because, you know, if I go on call of duty and I hear, you know, all these like racial slurs and insults and stuff from people or even on Roblox, like a, a kid's <laughs> platform is full of terrible stuff because of the anonymity. Yeah. And so I think if, you know, we have a world where, you go into VR and you have an avatar that looks like you, you have your name floating above your head. It's your voice. It's your Facebook account that someone can report directly. Like you're, you're probably going to be more genuine and not terrible. I think that's the goal. Um, so I think it would be more accessible and welcoming. And I know for me that in things like VR chat and rec room, like some of the current social VR applications, some of the people I've met in there have been really, 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 really nice and just really great to hang out with. And yeah. it's meeting someone in, you know, on Twitter or in a chat room or even in a non VR game. It's very different um, compared to meeting someone in VR. It, you know, it really does feel like you've met that person, especially if they're using an avatar that looks like them. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's hard to describe. It's, it's really, it's really wild. Like just, just yesterday, we did our recent CES episode of the VR Download, and I realized that I, our uh, video producer, the person that does pretty much all of our pre-made packaged video content on our YouTube, all of our showcases that we do for like E3 and stuff, and all the interview videos and event coverage, all those videos she does, her name's Zena, and um, I had never met her in person, 
And we just for whatever reason have never actually did a VR thing together using our actual avatars. Mm-hmm. And so we sat next to each other in the in the VR download sitting there in the studio and I looked over and I was like, you know, it feels like I'm meeting you for the first time. You know, I've never actually <laughs> met you. And she was like, Yeah, yeah, and we shook hands and stuff. Like it was it was a really cool moment. That is cool. Uh, you know what'd be interesting is um VR role play where you like sort of like they do in Grand Theft Auto where you pretend to be cops investigating like a hate crime that took mm-hmm. place. <laughs> Just some, something fun to watch on, on yeah, stream or something. Yeah, that would be great. And um, <laughs> sp- speaking of like role play stuff, there's this VR app. It's called uh, the under presents. Mm-hmm. It's um it's by the same developers that did virtual virtual reality. If you know of that one. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So it's very, self-aware and very kind of meta but um what it's about is you kind of go into this virtual world and you have um, a mixture of npcs and player controlled live actors that are intermingling like intermingling at all times so like developers are in there on voice chat playing characters alongside npcs and it's sort of this weird magical combination of the two where you aren't sure who is a person who and who isn't and it's a it's a really cool experience like that's so odd and so geeky but at the same time i'm I'm like very optimistic about things like that i think that's really Mm -hmm. cool (laughs) yeah me too it's i mean stuff like that reminds me of westworld it's it's so awesome yeah like that I, i love stuff like that that is, there was uh, um there was a really cool game that was on uh, Kickstarter. It it failed and didn't take off, but they had a cool concept where it was a a 3D sort of Dungeons and Dragons environment where you could build out all of the dungeons and the towns and stuff, and then as a DM you would take control of the NPCs inside of the world, and mm. the players would control their player characters, and you would go through and have it be like D and D, but you would just physically take control of NPCs instead. And it was a really cool idea. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're for sure going to get more of that and uh, we'll, we'll sort of figure out uh, the role of that kind of experience in our uh, gaming lives and in our uh, non gaming lives for sure. Um, before yeah. I let you go, tell me your favorite thing or two from uh, CES. What really got you excited? Uh, so I wasn't there this year, so I didn't try anything for myself, but um, I am really, really intrigued by the Panasonic VR goggles. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian tried those and he was extremely impressed, which, you know, is in and of itself, you know, noteworthy, but it goes even further because he is very, very vocal about his disdain for three, three doff VR. He really doesn't oh, yeah. like it. And the Panasonic goggles are three doff. So they, they didn't have any positional tracking yet. And he was still blown away. And nice. I think um, the reason for that is because of the display. It uses, you know, like really, really, really small micro display OLEDs. And it actually has like, I think it's the first VR display that has HDR. Oh, and okay. so it was it just really crisp. He said he didn't notice any screen door at all. And I mean, this is a guy that's been covering VR since before Oculus. So, I mean, he yeah. he's he knows VR and he has seen plenty of stuff. And so to have that come from him, that made me really excited to see where that sort of technology goes. I don't know if they'll ever release an actual product. It might just be a proof of concept prototype type thing, but you know, that kind of stuff trickles down to consumer stuff years in the future. So um, I'm excited to see what happens with that. And 
Um, the other thing would probably be um, the thing that actually won our best of show, and that's the haptics gloves. That's H-A-P-T-X. Those are one of the gloves that let you simulate, you know, touch and haptic feedback. So while you wear the headset, you put the gloves on, and they have these little, uh, I don't even know what they're called or how they work really, but they're kind of like little sensors on the fingertips and along your fingers that um, has, there's a box that they're plugged into that's really large at the moment, but they said that it's going to get smaller eventually. They uses like valves and air pressure and stuff to um, provide that sensation to your fingers when you touch something inside VR. It feels like you're actually touching it. Huh. And so it's um, Ian was really impressed by that too, and he was blown away by it. And then they have they use that same technology to then have you like telepresence control a robot. So nice. you're using the gloves to move your hands around, and then the robot is mimicking, you know, one to one exactly what you're doing. So you can pick up stuff in the real world and have it feeling in your hand. And so that's that kind of stuff is so cool to me. I, I love the idea of that. Yeah, that's that's very exciting. That's worth looking up for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have an interview on our YouTube. So yeah, plug. There's a plug. Yeah, yeah. Do the rest of the plugs, and uh, I'll I'll get you back to work. Yeah, let us know where we can find you. Sure. So um, full-time, like I said at the beginning, I'm one of the editors at UploadVR, so that's UploadVR.com. Um, you can also find us at YouTube, YouTube.com slash UploadVR. Um, that's where we stream the VR Download podcast we were talking about earlier every Thursday at 1030. Uh, that's Pacific Time. Um, then beyond that, you can find my freelance work um, at a bunch of different places right now, mostly IGN and Forbes. Um, but I do write for Game Skinny, and um, I've written for Game Crate from the the New Egg site and uh, PC Gamer. I've I've written a couple times for Variety, Polygon, um, Vice, and just a lot of places. Um, I it's it's hard to remember all the places, but right now IGN and Forbes are the main places I do freelance for. And you can find me on Twitter, so that's at David underscore Jagno J A G N E A U X. And uh, I've run into your work by accident, so also look for, <laughs> for that. Like the last time was I was searching for how to transfer my captured videos from my Quest to my PC, and mm, you wrote the yep. article that I was looking for at the time. So There you uh, go. Check articles you're, you're already reading. <laughs> if you're ever in Barnes & Noble, you can find my Roblox book, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is a weird thing to say it uh, it's that it was a weird thing yeah no but learn how to avoid all the terrible things on roblox exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. all right david thanks for your time man yeah thank you all right thanks again to david he's uh just a great guest and a fun guy to have around on social media uh if you all enjoy game dev breakdown we would love to have you subscribe on itunes google play anywhere you can find podcasts we are there so uh, check us out there. Show notes are at CodeWritePlay.com, and we're also doing some things at Patreon at Patreon.com slash CodeWritePlay. Send us a message, leave us a review, rate the podcast. That all helps us get out to a wider audience, and uh, we love hearing from you, so let us know what you're thinking about, what you're working on, and we'll be back with more good stuff very soon. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.